podcast growling Mean and angry Hear those co-hosts shout him All right, welcome into the latest edition here of that podcast. Alan Paulitner Jr. and Jay Morrison presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. And we're live working for you. It's good to be in the back in the live room. Super Bowl preview live room, Jay. Here we go. Just the show just keeps on rolling. <laughs> it sure does. It's February. Uh, I'm at the Senior Bowl like normal. This time of year, but there's a there, there's two Bengals bowl games of concern this month. Yeah, you're you're living the lovely Mobile, Alabama life, uh, and and checking in down there as the Bengals, uh, you know, look at the 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 next round of trying to build this roster. Meanwhile, trying to win a Super Bowl right now, so it, it kind of uh, keeps going. Jay, I'm just hopeful that you'll actually make it back. Uh, or if you're going to have to do perform some sort of, uh, I don't know, figure skating on your way back up to Cincinnati tomorrow. My flight is supposed to leave tomorrow morning. I'm currently in the works of trying to get out tonight. So fingers crossed. I, I think I can get to CBG by midnight tonight and miss the ice. Yeah, you do not want any part of that. I did, tra- travel tomorrow does not look any fun for anybody. But let's talk. Let's not talk about ice. And let's not talk about bad weather. Let's talk about the son of Los Angeles, California, and Super Bowl 56. Bengals Rams lined up. And uh, we are here. We're going to be talking about it uh, forever here over the next couple of weeks. We head out to L.A. early next week. The team is still here. Today they're, they're going through all their sort of N- NBC productions, interviews. They're trying to knock all that stuff out right now. I think you're going to see a, we still don't really know. I think, I think they're all kind of flying by the seat of their pants there inside Paul Brown Stadium right now, trying to get the logistics knocked out like a lot of us covering the team are too. But uh, So we don't really know exactly what the schedule is still for the next couple of days, but we do know the team uh, will do probably some media availability and easy practice on Monday here in Cincinnati. Tuesday, which is normally the player off day, will be their travel day. They will fly out to Los Angeles, land out there, and go through their normal week of practice in L.A. at UCLA. Um, And so they'll be there at UCLA practicing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, meetings the night before, game on Sunday. So that's kind of the logistical setup is that they all try to work through it right now. But, um, you know. It's it, it changes by the second, but really Tuesday on is kind of set. Yeah, and the, and the big question is tomorrow what their practice will be. If it is an ice storm, um, it would seem to figure they would go to UC and go in the bubble. Um, not going to do them any good to go inside the stadium if it's if there's freezing rain or ice or snow, whatever it is. But it is the 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 idea of being in LA for the whole entire week to do the practice has to be appealing given what the option, the, the alternative would be to, to trying to get ready for the biggest games of their careers in Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. I think, it, I think you know, the Tuesday trip was just easier just to do when you already have that preset off day Yeah, in there. And I think, you know, it just made more sense just to, 
you know, start the week here and then get out there on that off day. So we, we, that's kind of the setup. Bengals are wearing what they wore in the wild card win, uh, which I thought that was a pretty clever drop of that today where they, uh, used, they brought the old hanger out from their leak of the uniform, <laughs> uh, for, for, to hang it on the B. And, uh, and so it's black jersey. White pants, orange socks. You saw it in the wild card game. You saw it in the game against San Francisco. Uh, they are the home team, but they will be in the Chargers locker room and the Rams will be in the Rams locker room. Uh, so that's kind of the home team setup. We'll have a bunch of questions about that type of stuff answered up on the site here later today. For now, uh, if you guys have questions, you can drop them in. A bunch of you already have. We will try to get to as many as we can. This might not be as long a session as normal, as you might imagine. There's quite a lot going on in our world right now. That's why this thing's at 3.30 today, because it's about where we could fit it in. So uh, let's get to some questions here and uh, see what we've got. Let's start right here at the top. Let's go and bring Taylor C. up onto the stage. Reminder, when you come up up on the stage, you need to uh, unmute yourself. Taylor, are you with me? Uh, I think so. Can you hear me? There you are. Yeah, yes. I sure can. How are you, Taylor? I'm doing all right. I uh, appreciate you guys doing this as always. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on, and maybe it's a little hard to make this prediction, but something we saw against the Chiefs that I think we saw maybe more of than in any other game is the use of the screen game. I counted, I think, seven screens they tried to run. I think only one of them was to a wide receiver. The one to Boyd got batted down, but P. Ryan saw his fair share mix in. Unfortunately, more often than not, it was getting thrown into the ground because Burrow was under pressure. Is that something you see them trying to implement against the Rams to try to slow that pass rush? It's a great question, Taylor. Um, you're right. That that was as much screen as they've done all year. Um, it, they haven't been great at it. And that was kind of the thing I think that's that made them hesitant to use it so much during the season was when they had run it, it just, it never really quite seemed to break outside of a few times. They had trouble with timing. And, and so I think they realized though against Kansas City, like they just, they had to try to find a get a way to get that going. Kansas City had kind of been blown up on that in the past and they needed to find some way to slow down that pass rush and keep them from just teeing off. And you know, they were lucky. I mean, the one to Mixon that Burrow definitely lobbed up top and Mixon caught with one hand was incredible. And obviously Pirine's run was spectacular and, and he kind of created something out of nothing there uh, to get in for the touchdown. I, I would, you've got to do something. I mean, you have to do something like that, whether we're talking about draws or screens or whatever, to try to account for the fact that you just can't block Aaron Donald in, in a regular situation. You, as many tricks as you have in your bag, you got to think they're going to use them. And I certainly would expect screens to be part of that life again. Yeah. If you remember, Paul, there was, there was a point in that game. This is where they really missed Stanley Morgan because he's so good blocking out there on the edge. And there was a point, they ran a screen to the left. I can't remember which one it was in that game. And I even audibly said, Oh, that's, they've got it. It's set up. And one guy knifes through and blows it up. And it, there, we, we've seen that a lot this year where it looks like it's set up. The play's drawn up perfectly and, and one guy misses the block and that's the guy that comes through and, and blows up the screen. But, um, yes, I, I draws, screens, jet sweeps, anything they can do to, to slow down Aaron Donald. The rest of that pass rush is, has got to be part of the game plan this week or next week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go next and bring. Timothy B up onto the stage. Timothy, how are you doing? Good guys, how are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Welcome in. 
Well, excited for next week and the travel out to L.A. It's going to be a blast. Uh, I had a kind of question about uh, Joe Burrow and kind of media. There was an interesting article today about just how low the Q scores was were for those these two quarterbacks who are kind of unknown outside the Mannings and Brady's. And I'm just kind of curious. This is Burrow's kind of first, I don't know, foray into a super national environment. And, you know, based on other Cincinnati uh Sports stars, this is going to be the biggest exposure a Cincinnati athlete has had in a huge number of years. How do you think he's going to handle that going forward? He seems like he has a calm, cool demeanor, but this new stage of his career is going to, it's going to show something for what kind of person he is and how he uh, represents the city. Thanks. Well, yeah, he's going to be very careful about which, I mean, he could have his choice of endorsements at this point with getting to the Super Bowl this quickly. And, and he, he has been on the national stage with the, the Heisman and the, the, the run to the title with LSU. Um, but I, I don't see him going out and just doing every possible commercial just to, to make extra money. He's going to be very careful about the, the products he endorses that kind of fall in line with, with his beliefs and his values. And it, there, it's not going to be anything. I think it'll be, you'll see it in the off season. I don't think he's going to want to be distracted at all in season filming spots and, and doing that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I don't think you're going to see Joe Burrow change. Like he, he, in, he's just not that type of guy. And now we know that because Really, you can't get too much more attention, and it's so different now, today's athlete, how used to the attention they are by the time they reach that this level. If you are a guy like Burrow, I mean, the amount of attention he got during his run at LSU and playing in those national championship games and winning the Heisman and seeing what happened with his speech, his Heisman speech, and you know, and, and donating the, the money that all got raised for the bath and food pantry – it, you know, I, it really affected him. And he's talked about that, about he has a very unique understanding of his platform for a guy his age. And and I just think he understands that. He understands a lot about projecting to the media to and what that looks like to his teammates and what that means to leadership. He's just got, you know, he may not be you know, as famous maybe as the Mannings or the Brady's, but I think that's just because we're only seeing his second run into the national stage. Uh, he's still seen a lot of attention in his day, and he has a very unique understanding of how to deal with all of that stuff and, and how people react to that stuff. And you're just not going to see that change who he is. I mean, he was the number one pick. He came in here, and everybody in the whole building in the whole city is counting on him to be this guy, and he's kind of just been the – hardworking, go-to-work, blue-collar, endear-yourself-to-the-team guy, and you've seen what it's done. He's just He's got a real natural knack for that stuff not affecting anything. If there's one thing I probably wouldn't worry about with Burrow, it would be any issues that changing who he is from the outside in. I mean, he's just going to be a hard-working football guy, and I think he's got a really good feel for that. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Let's uh, bring in Austin W. up onto the stage next. Uh, Austin, how are you doing? After the success they had in the second half against Patrick Mahomes, do you think they'll take a similar approach 
on uh, next Sunday with Stafford and all those weapons at receiver? I mean, it worked. I, I don't, I don't, it's, it's really, it, you wonder what Lou has up his sleeve. If, if, cause they talk about this all the time. You, you, you can't stray too far from what you're used to, but you do, do need to throw in wrinkles. Um, I, I don't know that the, as great as Cooper Cup and, and OBJ are, I, I, I just don't know that it's that same dynamic with, with Stafford throwing as opposed to, as opposed to Mahomes, if they get down and they need to do something, maybe they switch to that. But you, you have to figure the Rams are going to be ready for that. And the Rams don't have a great running game. But if the Beng- if the Bengals start rushing three and going to that, that same philosophy, you could see them just start pounding Cam Akers and, and kind of forcing them out of that. It was curious that the Chiefs never did that. Um, but it is, that's part of the fun of this week is, is trying to guess what, what the the wrinkles are going to be and, and what the the game plan is going to be to to stop great offenses and great defenses. You get to this point, it's 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 offenses and defenses that have been hard to be stopped, and so it's really hard to come up with something new that they haven't seen that's going to be effective. I mean, one thing we talked about in the podcast this week was about how look, I mean, they have so many versatile pieces. They've stopped two of the most opposite styles of offense in the past two weeks from the hard pound running game uh, of Tennessee to the wide open passing game of Kansas city and done it in very different ways. And you're going to have an LA team that they are very familiar with. I mean, the system, (laughs) yes, it's changed. Yes. Things evolved, but I mean, a lot of the stuff they brought here is still based in that LA same system that they're running with the Rams. You know, it's still based in, wide zone, play action, deep overs, you know, all this stuff. You see the Bengals running, you see the Rams running, and it's it's not like they'll be unfamiliar with some of the trouble spots that that come with it. And, you know, the Rams, what happened to the Rams this year? They started running a ton of empty. I mean, you don't think the Bengals defense is familiar with this. It's like there's so many things in the copycat nature uh, of these two teams that are that are similar. And so I, I don't think that they'll come in without a pretty good plan. I don't I don't think it'll look a lot like necessarily what you saw last week against Mahomes. I think that's rare. I think um, it, it's rare that you would use something like that. And it's something that you saw in him and in them. I, I think you have a different plan with the Rams altogether. But I, I don't think it's one that you uh, would have any concern about not being familiar with or know what to, to put out there, but just because of so much familiarity with this system, because there's just, it really is a lot of connectivity to the current setup. Uh, let's go to the next one and we will bring Jack M up on the stage. Jack, how you doing? Hey guys, how you doing? Doing good. Great. Um, I just have a quick question. So I saw a tweet, I think it was from Ben Baldwin, who I know you guys reference a few times talking about how two of the four Bengals interceptions this postseason have come off deflections and how that kind of indicates itself to a little bit of fortune in winning some of these games. So my question is twofold. One, do you agree with the assessment that maybe the Bengals have gotten lucky in getting to where they are? And two, going off of the interceptions, how much of a role does this postseason play in Jesse Bates' negotiation this offseason? 
Um, I disagree with that assessment because, first of all, there's at least three that I can think of that were deflections, and two of them were guys deflecting the ball to themselves, B.J. Hill and then the, the Mike Hilton one against Ryan Tannehill, and then the other one was Eli Apple reaching in and making a great play on that the deflected interception to Logan Wilson that really kind of – gave Evan McPherson a shot at the walk-off field goal there. I can see you, if you say it's good fortune, if balls are deflecting off of receivers' hands, and they should have been completions, but the those interceptions that the Bengals made on those deflections, those they, they made those plays. I, I don't think there was anything really fortunate about it. Um, those were legitimate defensive plays, and it, it just kind of falls in line with – with what this defense has been doing the second half of the year and forcing all these turnovers and, and really kind of sparking this run because they is they played solid. They were a number five run defense all year. They, it was a solid defense, but they weren't getting turnovers and now they're getting the turnovers and it's made all the difference in the world. And, and Paul, you can either follow up on that or if you want to tackle the Jesse part of it. Yeah, I mean, Jesse Bates has has you know, there was interesting uh, up and down to his kind of career arc lately, right? I mean, we saw yeah, people people I know wants to think back or acknowledge the 2019 season, and Lord knows I don't want to remember it either. But people forget that in the second half of that 2019 season, Jesse Bates really turned it on, and it was probably the first half of the season. He kind of wasn't totally comfortable with the system, this, that, and the other. And then he had a really great run. Came back in all of his next year. Last year was the same way. And then the first half of this season, you see the contract stuff's going on. He's up and down. He's kind of been streaky in some ways in, in kind of catching these hot streaks. And what you're seeing now is he's really been on one. And I think he's consistent enough. His high streaks are so high in creating turnovers. Uh, you know, his playoff run here is definitely cemented that he will for sure get the franchise tag, which I don't think was ever in doubt. And then I think that you'll see a little bit more of an aggressive push to give him eventually come to an agreement on the deal, whether that be in July or sooner or whatever that is. I mean, the, the Bengals are going to try to keep this core group together for as long as they can. And Jesse's such a big part of that. I know we had all the conversation about it back before the season. But I, I think that conversation was still with the idea that they would eventually get something done. And the fact that it got pushed to, to this offseason was just kind of part of that process. Uh, I still think something gets done. I still think he's here long term. I don't think that's changed. I do think it starts with the franchise tag. Uh, and I do think he's been really the key to their defense because the turnovers have been the key to them winning. And he's been at the center of so many of them. Um, let's go to the next one. And I will bring in... Matt Age. Matt, how you doing? Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing great. Doing great. great. Hey, I just wanted to get on my soapbox for just for, for one minute. You can kick, you can okay. set a timer. Um, <laughs> you know, back back in, in when, when camp was starting or in OTAs, I mean, the, the message that they were getting across is that we are a connected team and we are going to do that, go the extra mile to get our stuff together and be ready to play. And and just how awesome is it that this team, now that we're here, we are in the Super Bowl, and I still can't believe I'm saying this, um, that, you know, when you hear their interviews, that's all they talk about is how, how much they enjoy being with their teammates and how proud they are of each other. And you've got Jamar Chase, the tears streaming down his face because of this, uh, you know, the, the achievement that they have as a team together. 
Um, and it just, it's just amazing to me now looking back at it, like how far we've come because of that mantra that, that the coaches have set at the beginning of the season. Um, and, and, you know, here we are. Um, so anyway, that's what I wanted to say. No, I appreciate it, man. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And the thing is about that is that every year and that I've covered football teams, you hear people talk about playing for each other and doing the right things and saying the right things and, and, you know, chemistry in the locker room. And that's a, it's a, it's very much a football player media cliche. And so you're naturally skeptical. And I, I was naturally skeptical of that storyline throughout the off seasons. I, I think it's, it, you have to look for the action. You have to look for the evidence, right? And so things like, the team is fighting in Miami and the offensive linemen are sitting on the bench, right? That was <laughs> a joke and it was hysterical, but it was real. And, and you have things like, okay, here's this team. Look at the sidelines during these games. Look at the way they all are up. Look at the way they all are so happy for each other. Look at the way when they come into the locker room and the game balls passed out, how happy they are for the guy getting it. Listen to how little selfishness you hear. Listen to, you know, that's why I wanted to make, I remember in Detroit writing the story about Jamar Chase's block and, and how much that was really indicative of what you're talking about, that bigger picture of playing for each other, selflessness, caring and, and dancing together and doing all that stuff. I mean, to me, those are the actions that that kind of made me throw away the words. With them all being there at OTAs when they didn't have to be is a was a real deal that backed up the words. The words are always going to be there, but this team, what's been obvious even without us being in the locker room, is how much you can see that. And so it it didn't feel fake because so many things were actually happening to back it up, and it wasn't them just speaking about culture and locker room and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that's what's really struck me, too, is how when the offense has the ball, the defense is up there watching. And I remember maybe it was the first Kansas City game. I don't know, these all run together, but Mike Hilton saved – the Bengals offense, a 15 yard penalty because he was doing that. I remember him running on the field and grabbing one of the receivers because the, the receiver had had his helmet ripped off by a player. Uh, I think it was a chiefs player and Mike Hilton ran out there and, and kind of wrapped him up. And it's just, it is, I don't think Von Bell's done an interview yet where he hasn't said play for each other over and over again. And, and Paul's right. You, you hear that and you kind of roll your eyes. You're like, yeah, yeah, you hear it. But when, when they back it up with those actions, um, it, I mean, it, it is a huge reason that they are here right now. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they went out and specifically sought out players who love the process, who love practice, mm -hmm. who love football, who love the idea of being a good teammate. I mean, any of us have worked in crappy work environments. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's people that don't really like doing stuff to help other people at your job out. Like everyone sitting here now listening to this is, is like nodding up and down. Like, yeah, that's right, Dave. I hate that guy. <laughs> he doesn't care about anybody but himself. Right. And it's, like, but it's like those things do matter when you talk about people loving coming to work every day. And that's been such a big part of this because like I said there, I mean, this thing started in July. You've got to really 
feel like you can be yourself and love coming to work and not feel like it's uh, a mess and you don't care about the people that you're with. You have to get people in that view it that way and not people that view it as I'm here playing for myself. I'm here playing for a paycheck. I'm here playing for my next job. I'm here coaching for my next job. All that stuff needs to be out. And they found a way to kind of put that magic together this year. Uh, all right, let's keep uh, to, to, be, to be clear. Yeah, Paul was, Paul was talking in the past tense. There is nothing crappy about the work environment at the athletic. Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't want anyone recording this and tweeting it out or anything like that. It's, it's been awesome the entire time. I specifically I, use the name of our direct boss. So I know that I'm thinking about him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's just take a quick break. Let's go to uh, Jim S. And hey guys, how's it going? Doing great. great. How are you? <laughs> you know, with all the uh, the concerns that folks have had about Mike Brown in the past, uh, with the uh, the Flores lawsuit calling out coming out, and I'm talking about giving bonuses for losing games, and Hugh coming out saying that he potentially might have been offered money for losing games, is there any doubt in your mind? that Mike Brown has never paid a bonus <laughs> for losing a game. That is certainly one thing you would never have to be concerned about that guy. There is yes. no doubt. That Zero percent the, the farthest thing from, uh, from, from the truth of Mike. Yeah. There's two things that he would not want to do. That would be lose a game and pay any bonuses. Yeah. That's there. There is no doubt that that would be the case. So it's or been, get sued. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he's, been, he's he's been sued. Yeah, he, I mean it's, it's but not on purpose. Didn't want to. Yes, it, it would admit later uh, accidentally stepped into that one. Would be what he would say. Um, that's. Did you have another question, Jim, or were you just kind yeah, of? Thinking, yeah, yeah. So no, no. Secondly, um, you know, I, there was news that came out that the uh, the window ended for Auden Tate. Right? Is that more of a a statement on maybe his health or do you think that he just didn't add anything in the receiver room that, you know, maybe one of the other receivers could have, could have added at that point. Yeah. I mean, he, he definitely can add something. It's just, it's, it's limited. You know, he is that, that guy that third down red zone, the guy that's really hard to stop, you throw it up for him. But I, I, I don't think it's anything beyond that. They love Auden Tate. Even last year, I remember when his agent came out and said that uh, how upset Auden was or how upset he was that Auden wasn't used in that week two game against Cleveland. And, and the Bengals had zero issue with that. They, they said that Auden never expressed any any concerns about that, that they were good. They, there's no fracture there at all. This, I, I do believe this is strictly injury related. And why, I mean, yes, I would say so. I, I think that's the case. And also, you know, he was set. I think he was there in case something happened. You've got very well-defined roles there right now, yeah. even with Stanley Morgan injury. And to take somebody that hasn't played in so long and all of a sudden throw him in there, you'd have to have something where T. Higgins got hurt or, or something like that. And you had to create a package for Alden Tate. And so you keep him in that 21-day window and say, well, we'll activate him if somebody gets hurt and we need him. But otherwise – these roles are kind of set up too, you know? And so I think, I think all of it does play together where they're like, just keep it as an option as long as we can get them in practice to get a look at them as long as we can. And then if we get all the way to the Super Bowl and we don't need them, then 
the window will expire. And I think that's kind of the, the way they looked at it. Uh, let's, let's keep going and just grab a few more here. Let's go to Nick S and bring uh, Nick S in. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing well, Paul and Jay. Thanks for doing these. Usually you do these at lunchtime and I'm at work. And so the fact you're doing it this afternoon, um, we, we, get, we get a chance to talk a little special teams. And if you know me, I like to talk about kickers. I know you, it. Nick, don't think you can just sneak in here and not <laughs> drop a, drop a Muller Crusaders class of 99 kicker on me now. And then I wouldn't know exactly who this is. What's going on? I'm doing well. Of course, as you know, I'm very excited about what's happening with the Bengals. So I want to talk, I want to talk a little kicker love and not uh-huh. Evan McPherson because he's been getting a lot of it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Kevin Huber. Um, I know he's getting up there in age, hasn't had the best of years punting wise. So I guess my question for you is, um, is there a chance he's back next year? And if not, who is the punter in the fifth round they're going to draft next year? (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a a good one. Nick, first of all, awesome to hear from you. And, uh, you know, cool to, uh, see all the reaction videos. I've seen all the reaction videos from you, which get progressively more emotional, I think. Uh, as, as it goes along, and I, I've appreciated watching that. Um, I, I, let me say this, Nick. Uh, I, I think there's definitely a chance that Huber's back. I don't, you know, I mean, the Drew Chrisman factor is really the thing here, but you know, the fact that they just kind of let him out off the practice squad back and forth, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of connection with keeping him, you know, it under, under wraps um, makes me think that there's a, a chance that, you know, they would just go with Huber. But I, I think more than likely what you'll see is re-signing Huber with the hopes of keeping him around, assuming Kevin still wants to play, which I, I do assume after this year, unless he's like, screw it, just won the Super Bowl, go out on top with my hometown team. Why? Well, maybe I'll just go out like that. But I would think that they would bring him back, probably have a competition with a guy like Chrisman still, and and see how that pans out next year. But I think they've been generally pretty happy with his performance. But, yeah, he's getting up in age, and they've been looking into the future with that position for a while. Yeah, I think we'll definitely see a competition in camp next year. And the thing to remember is, you know, punting the ball is only part of that job. The, 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 the holder part of it is is a big piece. I mean, Evan McPherson has had this great, incredible run this year and that is a three-man unit between Clark Harris the snapper and Kevin Huber the holder and then McPherson kicking it and you unless you have somebody that is maybe not just a little bit better than than Kevin Huber in the punting game maybe you don't want to upset that chemistry in that battery the the snapper holder kicker part of it so it will be worth watching I he is getting up there and it, it he it was I think it was just last year that he set a career high in, in yardage despite his age but he has fallen off a little this year so that'll be one of the interesting battles to, to look for in OTAs and camp next year okay we're gonna do two more questions here and I see our good friend in Hawaii Natasha <laughs> B is here so I'm gonna save Natasha to close us out, but so first I'm going to bring Adam P up onto the stage. Uh, Adam, how are you doing? Not much. Thanks for doing this, guys. I can't believe we've gone this long without discussing the offensive line. Um, <laughs> how do you guys see right guard shaking out where apparently the plan was to come in with a rotation this past week with Carmen and Adenogy? Um, what did you guys see from their performances, and is there any – consideration to Suofilo considering 
his strength has always been pass protection uh, or is that an Auden Tate situation where he's been injured so long that you might as well just ride in with the, the two guys that they've been going with? Thanks. It's a good question, Adam. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, the plan was, the plan was yes to rotate, but it was also to then play the hot hand. You know, I, they just, I think they've, they, they found identity's struggles to be frustrating, but they found Jackson Carmen's inconsistency to be maddening. And so they just, but they felt like they'd seen enough to be like, well, well, might as well try something. So let's rotate them through, see who looks the best, ride the hot hand towards the end of the game. And they did that. I mean, it ended up being, you know, um, Carmen. I, I, so I, I don't know if they'll do that again. It, I, I think both will definitely be ready to go. I don't know if it'll specifically be a rotation thing or if they do move to Carmen. Either way, that person's going to be tasked with trying to block Aaron Donald and neither of them can do it. So, uh, and may, most can't, but they particularly can't. So I, I don't know that it's going to matter who's in there. I think they realize that that spot's just going to be a problem. But at least Carmen gives you big physical. He may not be great. He may be raw. He may be inconsistent. But at least he'll give you some reps where he can maybe stand up slightly physically. Whereas Adenogy's just he was just he was just not big enough and physical enough really to hold up in too many spots. And the other thing where if they were willing to do that in an AFC championship game, you could see them doing it in the Super Bowl. And and maybe that is the way to go where it's going to be a long day blocking Aaron Donald and maybe resting those guys two series on, two series off might make some sense to have them at least a little fresher. I don't like Paul said, I don't think either of them's going to have much success blocking Aaron, Aaron Donald. But if, if you can keep them a little bit fresher, through the second half, then, then maybe we see that again. I, I don't think either guy proved he deserves to be a full-time starter in the Super Bowl, so it wouldn't surprise me to see the rotation again. Yeah, we'll yep. see how they play it out. All right, let's wrap this up. You know, it's fitting. We're about to be headed out to beautiful L.A. We can get ourselves in the spirits for that and bring Natasha B. up onto the stage from Hawaii. Natasha, you're all closer. You're our closer. What's going on? <laughs> Putting some pressure on me, guys. I am. It's good to have you back. Yeah, I missed you. Uh, I tell you what, even if it was thunderstorming here, it would be blue skies for us Bengals fans. But <laughs> I will tell you, it's 80 and sunshiny, but it couldn't be on the beach because you switched the time on me. Uh, I know. I know. It's okay. We'll just imagine it. We'll imagine it in our own heads. <laughs> All right. Well, as far as my question, I'm just... I'm not ready to think about Aaron Donald and the Rams. I'll save that for next week. I just kind of want to bask in the glow of this season. So I was just wondering personally for you guys, what has impressed you the most about this season? Was it the coaching, the comebacks, the, the, the camaraderie of the players? Like in a, a incredible season, what impressed you guys the most? Great question. I, I'll, I'll say this, Natasha. I, to me, you mentioned the word comebacks, so I'll piggyback on that a little bit. It's, yes, the comebacks, but it's really been just the resiliency of this team and then the way that they are just never out of any game, and that is most notably down 18 at Arrowhead, which is sort of like, you know, the piece de resistance a little bit of that fact. But they've all year – no matter what, I mean, down 24 to nothing or whatever against the Chargers or, you know, they, it was just over and over again in every spot 
when you would think that they're out of it, they just, they never are. And they always find a way. They always seem to be making the big play when the the chips are kind of down a little bit. It's been so consistent from like day one. And I referenced the, the Pratt fumble against Minnesota all the time because it's like that was the first time it happened and it never stopped happening. Of them finding a way to make a play, to make the comeback, to never feel out of any game, whether they're down two touchdowns against San Francisco and it's fourth and five and Joe Burrow's running around like a crazy person and throwing behind Jamar Chase running the other way. Like those games, it's been unbelievable. I've never seen a team with that quite that kind of ability to never be out of a game, always make the big play to get them back into it or, or to help put it away. Um, it's, it's just been an unbelievable trait to witness. Yeah, I'm gonna go come back too, but a, a different way with with Joe Burrow. Just I, I, nobody thought he was gonna be done after the ACL, but never expected this kind of year. The first year back, even when we saw him on OTAs for the first play, and he was ahead of schedule. Um, you know, maybe even make this the the Joe Burrow comeback and the Jamar Chase arrival because. Everybody talked about the chemistry and all that, and you knew it would be there. You knew it would be advantageous, but man, I who expected this really? That that kind of rookie year from Jamar Chase, this kind of year from Joe Burrow coming off the the injury. There was a lot of a lot of pieces that that we thought needed to be good and were, but as 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 great as those players are the, they went above and beyond my expectations i would imagine they did a lot of other people's as well so for me that's that's the most impressive yeah i can't imagine there were too many people saying yeah joe burrow is going to be right there in the mvp voting and jamar chase is going to be the runaway offensive rookie of the year yeah. which is undoubtedly i mean could it happen sure but those were some wild pipe dreams and uh but here you know as we know Bengals right here now super bowl 56 living those dreams so we will keep it rolling of course we'll have uh hear that podcast ground tomorrow uh that'll episode will post in the afternoon we're recording early in the morning uh we're in a special episode for you we think you guys are going to like so make sure you come back and check that out i know you will you guys are great and uh we'll have more stuff live from la next week our whole podcast team is out there uh you know everybody so the national shows local shows hear that podcast ground all that stuff there's gonna be a ton of content coming from la next week so keep it locked Looking forward to seeing you then. Thanks everybody for hopping in the live room. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you.